0: Intrinsically tied to the land, are stem. Treaty rights describes the agreement between the crown and the indigenous people to have lived here centuries before colonialism ever stepped ashore Turtle Island, or what we now know as Canada.
1: To say this is misleading.
0: This traditional territory of various First Nations groups has a longer history than we may realize. But their claims of kinship to the environment are not merely historical they're ongoing and have roses today especially in the fight against the climate crisis these communities-
2: For Thank from coast to coast to coast, you are listening to Terra Informa. Hello and welcome. I'm Charlotte Thomason, and I'll be your host for the next half hour of environmental radio. What you just heard was the treaty acknowledgement from the climate strike on September 27th at the Alberta Legislature here in Edmonton, Alberta. We encourage you to think about how you're filling your treaty obligations and how you're challenging the colonial frameworks that have benefited settlers for centuries. This episode is a bit of a bonus episode and is our last installment on the September week of Climate Action. Last week, we talked about climate education and we spoke with youth organizers and brought you live interviews from the September 20th Climate Die-In. This week, we catch up with Dr. Holly Ann Passmore to talk about eco-anxiety and the feelings that drive this sort of collective action we've seen over the last few weeks. Then, we'll be sharing audio and interviews from the September 27th climate strike on the Alberta legislature grounds. But before we get to those stories, here are this week's headlines to give you some context on the range and diversity of climate actions taken in the last few weeks. Last week, people around the world came out in record numbers to call for climate action. This week of action was kicked off and wrapped up by two global days of action, Friday September the 20th and Friday, September the 27th. Canada's strikes and marches were planned for this past Friday, September 27th, to conclude the week of action. Canadian cities like Montreal have been making headlines with around 500,000 people showing up to protest this past Friday. On the West Coast, estimates of the turnout in Vancouver have grown to about 100,000 people. But what about all the places in between? While larger cities have had attention-grabbing turnouts, there were hundreds of strikes that took place across the country, some taking place in cities and towns where political and social support for climate action is low. So, here are some estimated numbers from the strikes you may not have seen pop up in the headlines this past weekend. Iqaluit-Nunavut had 50 people. Charlottetown, PEI, hundreds. Nelson, B.C., 1,000 people. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, 3,000 people. Pincher Creek had 10. Yellowknife had around 1,000 people. Edmonston, New Brunswick had 100. North Bay, Ontario had 110, Wolfville, Nova Scotia had 100, and Whitehorse, Yukon is estimated to have hundreds of people that showed up. Here in Edmonton, Alberta, we had an estimated 4,000 people converging on the legislature building downtown, and it was estimated that 1,000 people rallied in Calgary. According to the Global Climate Strike website, Over 7 million people participated in climate strikes around the world during the week of climate action, making it one of the largest coordinated global protests in history. So, what's next? The September 27th climate strikes demonstrated that there are people who are willing to show up to fight for climate action all across the country. With the upcoming Canadian federal election taking place on October 21st, climate change will be an important topic that candidates will be faced with. To stay up to date with major federal party stances on the environment, and for coverage of future organized climate actions, keep tuning in to Terra Informa. This week, Terra informer Eric Bowling spoke with positive psychologist Dr. Holly Ann Passmore. Positive psychology seeks to support people as they accept their past, feel happiness and excitement about their future, and contentment in the present. Dr. Passmore's work focuses on the relationship between people, nature, and well-being, and has been published in numerous academic journals and presented at national and international conferences. Let's listen in to that interview now.
1: Whether you are an environmentalist or just someone who keeps up with the news, it's hard not to be anxious about where climate change is taking us. Sobering headlines like 18 months to save the planet and the weekly cycle of environmental disasters combined with political deadlocks leaves us with an overwhelming sense of helplessness as the problem escalates. Well, it turns out that eco-anxiety, as this has been coined, is becoming quite common, particularly among younger generations. I am here with Dr. Holly Ann Passmore, who is a well-being researcher and director of the Nature Meaning in Life Research Lab at the University of British Columbia. She is here to talk to me about eco-anxiety a growing problem in relation to climate change as it progresses. Hello, Dr. Passmore.
3: Hello, Eric. Thanks so much for having me here today.
1: Thanks. Glad to have you here. Just to get off the start, maybe we should begin with an explanation of what eco-anxiety is is and what it isn't.
3: Right. So eco-anxiety is a term that's been coined relative, probably in the last five or so years, and it's becoming increasingly common. And what this is referring to is people who have a constant nagging, kind of just this in the background underlying dread concerning climate change and of course the environmental damage that climate change is causing
1: i'm going to speak from my own experience here as a 36 year old person who has been watching governments argue and fail to find meaningful change and you know i find i have a lot of mounting frustration with it and i'm wondering if that plays into that or if there's that a separate sort of emotion
3: No, I would say that definitely is part and parcel of eco-anxiety, of what gets lumped into eco-anxiety. And this is certainly something that many psychologists, the American Psychological Association has published reports on this. You have the damaging effects of climate change and specifically then eco-anxiety on people's mental health and their well-being. There's a climate psychiatry alliance that has been started in recognition of the fact that this is really impacting people's everyday happiness, their everyday well-being, as we read in the news and as governments are essentially not acting (laughs) at whatever level, depending what country you're in, of course. And so, yeah, this is really becoming a very widespread phenomenon among millennials and people around your age, but certainly among 20-year-olds and junior high and younger and children as well. This is becoming a growing concern. There hasn't really been a lot of research, like hard research, looking at this relationship between nature connectedness and eco-anxiety. So that's something that I, with my colleagues and and some students, are just starting to delve into. What is the relationship here? Um, Preliminary results certainly show that people who are highly connected to nature also have higher levels of eco-anxiety, which makes sense, right? If you're connected to something, if you love someone and you see that they're dying, you're going to be pretty anxious about that. At the same time, many psychologists and, and people who are dealing with this on a frontline basis. There's a few things that really help to mitigate the sense of eco-anxiety, get this under control. Although being highly connected to nature tends to be high eco-anxiety, at the same time, it's really important to remain connected to nature. Just make sure people are spending time in the everyday, and if you can get out into the wild, but even in the everyday nature, like we look certainly here in Edmonton, spend time in the River Valley, where this is a lush, green, growing environment. In the winter is this beautiful place to and there's still birds, there's still life. So it's important to stay connected to that because there is an abundance of research, some some of it mine. Looking at how spending time in nature, even just noticing everyday nature, is this enormous boost to your well-being, to feeling connected to the world, to feeling elevated, to feeling inspired. The other thing that helps with eco-anxiety is a sense of action. So I spoke about before the sense of learned helplessness or futility that people have. So one of the ways to mitigate that is get involved with some groups. Do something. Stop buying single-use plastic items. Do what you can, what you can contribute. Get involved and do something. This is a basic human need, the need to feel competent, to, to feel that you're having an impact on the world. So that's really important. And the third thing is to honestly is to join a support group there are a number of support groups that are forming just for this reason people who are starting to have issues with this and you know you don't necessarily need to go see a psychologist for treatment but having a support group to talk about this to realize that this is a normal healthy adaptive response to a threat that we are facing so those are three things that would help to deal with this sense of eco-anxiety that many people many of our listeners here today probably are few
1: this isn't necessarily like a mental disorder or anything to oh, that no. degree. This is a natural response to actual existential threats that we are all facing that some of us seem to be perhaps more aware of than others. <laughs> but leaning into this, it seems like there could be a lot of different paths to eco anxiety. If you're saying you're someone living in the city and you're just watching the like, Amazon rainforest burn on the news, or say you live in Burnaby and you're oh. trying to stop the Trans Mountain X pipeline or, you know, you live in the North poll and you're watching less ice and happen every year so what about the output can the anxiety manifest itself in different ways
3: eco-anxiety as a whole is really like I said sort of this underlying chronic dread that realistically the majority of people are going to start feeling this is an election issue or certainly should be many people are trying to get it to be an election issue so there's that aspect like you mentioned of watching the news Right? We see this all the time of hearing of uh, financial impacts for what you can buy, carbon tax, all these kinds of pathways to that add to it. There's also an aspect, though, which is a little bit different of something where, so for example, in the Okanagan or in California, where there are fires again and again and again, oh, well, here in Alberta and Fort McMurray, up in the north with melting glaciers, Inuit people are losing their way of life. That goes beyond this chronic sense of dread of eco-anxiety in some ways that's eco-anxiety Coupled with what's called solostasia. And solostasia is a combination of two words, solace, so feeling comforted, and nostalgia. And what that is, is it's a sense of homesickness while still being at home. So people who, even in Fort murray or in California or again up in the north um, or in mining towns, see that, wow, my home environment is not what it used to be and it's because of what's happening to the environment. And that's termed solostasia. So that really is an something that overlies atop top of a broader chronic dread of eco-anxiety
1: for people like activists and journalists who you know aren't really able to tune things out except when they go on vacation what kind of coping techniques do you recommend for us
3: and so keep in mind I am a researcher I'm not a clinical psychologist but I have of course d- done an awful lot of research and reading on this topic and yeah you're right as media individuals and journalists are top line or front line I guess environmentalists even even for myself researching this before I gave my talk in London, I generally practice talks quite a bit when I'm giving public talks or presentations. I had to do that much more because I would start to get choked up talking about this issue. And that's certainly has come through in a number, uh, seen a number of books. And those are people who really, one of the ways they're dealing with that, one, again, making time to connect with the nature that's around you that's still healthy, that you can still connect with, and just being in that moment. That's a very important aspect, It's learning to just be. And second, this aspect of just accepting it. Only when you accept something can you start to really heal only when this goes back to grieving how do you cope with grieving you grieve and so to give ourselves and give yourselves permission to grieve about what is happening and then realize okay this is the fate now I have to come to terms with it and now I'm going to still keep doing what I think needs to be done because that then is a sign of hope hope for you individually or people individually and a sign of hope for the world. We look at people, somebody like Greta Thunberg, right? A 16-year-old amazing young woman who fully accepts what is going on, yet is this incredible symbol of, huh, she's done exactly that at a very early age, essentially, right? Accepted it, grieved about it. Okay, now I'm gonna go, go ahead.
1: Thank you for taking the time to talk to me about this today, Holly Ann. Is there anything else you would like to mention or is anything that uh, you would like our listeners to be aware of that we uh, may have glossed over or missed in this conversation?
3: Oh, thanks so much for having me here, Liz. It's been really great and it's such an important topic, so it's really great to see this being put out there. I guess just really just to reiterate that feeling a sense of some sense of dread and eco-anxiety is probably really a healthy, normal thing, and the ways to that you can help cope with it that we know of now are to look around you and stay connected to the nature that is beautiful, that does give you a sense of meaning. Get involved, do something, have a sense of action. There are meaningful, impactful things that as individuals we can do. And reach out to different groups of people who are also struggling with these issues.
1: Dr. Holly-Ann Passmore is a well-being researcher and director at the Nature, Meaning, and Life Research Lab at the University of British Columbia. Dr. Passmore researches how our connection with nature affects her overall well-being and is currently working on a paper on eco-anxiety and how it is leading to a series of other basic human anxieties. She is about to begin a post-doctorate at the University of Darby in the United Kingdom.
2: Dr. Holly Ann Passmore speaking with Terra Informer Eric Bowling about eco-anxiety, the emotion driving last week's climate action. I would also like to acknowledge that eco-anxiety is often a privilege felt by those who are able to pick and choose what they want to know about the climate crisis, and indigenous communities and folks fighting on the front lines of the climate crisis don't often have that choice. We're now going to hear some audio and interviews from our reporters on site at last week's climate strike. climate strike asking why you've all just decided to come and strike today. Um, I'm Natalie Nielsen. I believe that people my age should be more involved in these issues because it's our future. I'm Julie and I think that's really important exactly that people our age should be involved and this is such a big problem that it's really in our hands now because we're the future and we need to step up.
4: I think it's really scary because, I mean, there's kind of pretty little that we can do. We're not adults. We don't earn our own money, most of us, and so there's not very much we can do, and so this is something that we can do, which is something that worries me.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's really important for us to be here because it's something that like we can do. It's important to us, and like it's the one thing that we can actually make a change on. Yeah, totally.
4: I'm Daniel Zard, I'm the Chief student Meteorologist at the Sylvia Weather Center Weather Forecast Office in Empton. Um, I think the, um, the government should be unknown to help us and our climate, because climate is a big issue for all over the world. Environmental impacts are still important right now, because our has changed a lot over the years.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Like when I was growing up, all that stuff since back in the 80s that probably do it. It's past 30 years already and I've been married because I could got passion and see the weather. it's part of it. Mm -hmm. since um, we have like five, half a pound in the mountain caused by climate change. Mm -hmm. All that environmental impacts like um, global warming, all those things, they are very, very important. Yeah, totally. Because that's why we have Earth Hour every year, all that stuff.
3: That's true. Actually, I think I want to say like three months ago you made a video about addressing climate change and in particular saying that it's very real it's not a lie mm-hmm. and it was a really good video and I think you were calling for us to reduce first reuse and then recycle but yeah. it's really important and
4: I think it's also really important to take up space in this,
2: places like this
4: yeah' like that yeah, yeah. It was
2: We grow up. My sister said this she doesn't want to have kids because what life is going to be like for them when they grow up, and it's just nothing, nobody's doing anything about what's happening, and it's not okay.
4: to come and strike today so as a future teacher i am very worried about climate change and the impact it's going to have on the future generations and also like edmonton public school board was super cool and let students leave but calgary public did not
2: so mm-hmm. it's important to
4: me that teachers are represented here uh, yeah
2: so i'm not in education i'm in science and just looking around at our daily lives are strongly affected by climate change just on a daily basis. And that's why we wanted to come out and make sure our voices are heard, especially as students and youth, because we are lives that are going to be affected by climate change, and it'll, it'll be our kids and future generations, mm-hmm. so we wanted to voice their um, opinions as well. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Awesome. How do you feel like this global threat is affecting you as people here in Edmonton?
4: It's interesting because, like, I mean, like, you can look at the weather. it It's colder, faster. The summers are less. Um, fires. I work in a sleepaway camp in the mountains, and the smoke from fires is awful. The fires in B.C. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to the point that, like, you come outside and the sky's orange. Um, but specifically Everton, I think it's just the knowledge of what's coming and seeing it happen uh, around the world yeah. and knowing it's coming for us that scares me the most, I think. Yeah.
2: yeah. So I work with like a student group, and we uh, are we're looking at human health in regards to climate change and how it'll affect our resources now and in the future as well. So just looking at our current resources and how they're being depleted by climate change on a global basis is really scary. And if we're headed in the same direction, um, the target you know isn't very good. So that's why, you know, it'll it'll affect everybody. Yeah. You just heard audio from last week's climate strike that took place on September 27th at the Alberta Legislature Grounds in Edmonton. We hope the momentum for collective action continues and that we see you at the next strike. If you have any questions or comments about the show, send us an email, tara at cjsr.com, tweet us or find us on Facebook, or visit our website, tarainforma.ca. Thank you to our volunteers for helping out with this week's episode. Hannah Cunningham, Elizabeth Dowdell, Sonic Patel, and Carter Gorzitsa. Terra Informa is entirely volunteer-run, and we survive because of generous donations to our host studio, CJSR 88.5 FM. Consider a donation to your local radio station to keep stories like this on the air. I have been your host, Charlotte Thomason. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you catch us next week right here on Terra Informa.